0: A long time ago, in a place far, far away, there was a child born. Not Jesus, he was last week. We're talking about a girl now. Uh, Her name was Margaret. She was born to two parents that loved her very much. And Margaret had a great childhood for the first seven years of her life. Then at the age of seven, her mother unexpectedly died. And since we have to follow the Disney princess story arc, Enter the evil stepmother. Her father was unable and unwilling to raise her on her own, so he quickly remarried, and the woman he remarried already had children, so she had no need of another one, a much younger one. So she treated Margaret terribly, and this caused a deep wound in Margaret and and caused her to seek the approval and the attention of her father all the more. But because he was a weak-willed and stupid man, Uh, He listened to the evil stepmother instead, and his heart was turned against his child. So this drove Margaret to seek the approval and attention that she desired from her father anywhere else. Now, the one thing I forgot to mention is that when Margaret was born, she was the most beautiful baby that anyone had ever seen. I mean, I know we've all been with our friends who have had children and you're like, oh, it's so cute, and really it's an ugly baby, it's okay. (laughs) But no, this baby really was a cute baby. And that didn't stop as she grew. She was one of the most beautiful young women that they had ever seen in this part of the world. That, coupled with her deep and abiding wound from her father not giving her the love that she wanted and needed, as I said, caused her to go seek it from every other man in the town. Now, you might be thinking that I'm being a little hyperbolic and saying every other man. No, no, I mean every other man in the town. Let me translate in case you didn't get that. She was quite a floozy. I'm glad all the people 60 and over laughed. She was so much of a floozy. How much of a floozy was she? That's the response. But anyway, she was so much of a floozy that she got kicked out of her town at the age of 17 for causing too much scandal for being biblically intimate with everyone, all the men. So they kicked her out and they said, you know what'll fix you, young lady? A good job. So they sent her to the nearby castle of the single young uh, nobleman who lived there. I don't think they really thought this plan out, but they figured that she would, you know, by the sweat of her brow, figure out what life was about. Except, like I said, she was the most beautiful young woman that this part of the world had seen. So as soon as the young nobleman, who was single, uh, saw his new servant in the castle, he was like, hmm, you know what? You deserve a promotion. I haven't seen any of your work, but I'm going to give you a promotion anyway. So he promoted her from servant to mistress. (laughs) And for the next couple of years, that was her title, Mistress of the Castle. Now, eventually, she uh, had a child with this man and just longed to be married. I mean, she wanted to be married with him, and, and he just kept pushing it down the road, saying, oh, you know, I'm really just kind of working on my career right now, I'm not really looking for anything serious. I'm just not sure we're at that level. I don't know what he said, but whatever the point is that he would not marry her because she was too lowborn of station. He could not, as a nobleman, marry her and keep his status. So he just kept kicking the can down the road and saying, like, ah, we'll, we'll get there eventually, but just not right now. So he goes on a, a trip one day to do merchant things, and uh, the time for him to return comes, and he's not back. All right, it happens. Sometimes you get delayed in travel and, and business. Then a couple of more days go by. No, no, no young nobleman. A couple of more days go by, and Margaret's starting to get worried. And one day, this dog that was never far from his side comes back to the castle alone. And the dog walks up to her and pulls a complete lassie. And he's like, you know, as dogs do. And she looks down at the dog and says, what's that? Timmy's in the well. Let's go find him. So they go into the woods. The dog leads her to this pile of brush and sticks and logs and things. And she gets closer to it, and as she's examining it, she realizes that there's an arm sticking out of it. And on that arm is a ring. And on that ring is the crest of his family. And oh, that's her baby daddy. He dead now. So (laughs) Margaret, at this moment, has a deep conversion of heart. She looks at this this corpse of her, her father's child. Child's father, sorry. And she thinks to herself, oh, no. If he is in hell right now, what part did I play through my sexual immorality with him? What am I responsible for in his possibly being in hell? So Margaret decides to go back to the castle. She doesn't know what to do. And as she's walking, she comes to a fork in the road and she sees her castle on the right. Financial security, the same thing she's always known for the last couple of years. But to the left... She sees a Franciscan monastery change, and she's kind of scared of that, but she also thinks back to what she just saw and thinks to herself, if I continue down to the road, if I go back to the castle, my life will not change, and I am putting my own soul at risk. So she goes to the Franciscan monastery, and she knocks on the door, and the priest who answers the door uh, receives her, and she goes, oh, hello, yes, I'd like to become a religious sister now, and he goes, oh, You're Margaret, right? Margaret of the castle? Yes, that's me. Okay, go away now. We're done with you. No, but I just said I'd like to join your order. Oh, yes. No, we're well aware of who you are and your reputation and where you've come from. We want nothing to do with you. Please leave. So Margaret uh, is persistent. She comes back over and over again. And finally, the monks tell her this. Look, you can prove to us how serious you are By going to get a job and working for three years. And if you don't go back to your floozy ways, then we'll accept you. So that's what she does. She goes and she works and she becomes a nurse and she takes care of the sick, the poor, and the dying. And she realizes that she loves it. And so three years later, she comes back and she goes, okay, time's up. Can I enter? And They're like, yeah, all right. She becomes a third order regular Franciscan. The son that she had with the nobleman actually grows up to become a Franciscan priest. And Margaret spends the next 25 years of her life as a penitent. She spent the first 25 years of her life in sin. Then she spent the next 25 in atonement. She becomes so holy that she cures people of diseases, prays and they are converted, brings people back from the dead. She stops wars from ever starting by having the two sides come together and find an amiable resolution. They know that she's a holy woman. And what does she do during those next 25 years? She continues to take care of the poor, the sick, and the dying. Because finally, she has found this family that she has longed for for her entire life. The love and acceptance of other people that she was looking for in all the wrong ways, she has finally found it in serving Christ, in serving the poor. So even before she dies, they revere her as a great saint. And when she dies, the city of Laviano, where she comes from, the one that kicked her out, They say, oh, by the way, she's from here, so we deserve to have the remains of her body, please. And Cortona, the other city that she lived in for the next 25 years, was like, nah, you had your chance. Kick rocks. We don't need you. She's our saint. I'm using a lot of colloquial jargon that the kids use. Don't worry. Don't get lost. (laughs) They want her body is the point, okay? (laughs) Finally, people, after recognizing her holiness and not using her for their own gains, want her body because she has become so holy. Now, Margaret is a great example of overcoming her past. Today, we celebrate the Feast of the Holy Family, that perfect nuclear unit, that mother, father, and son, beautiful. It is the pinnacle of family existence, something we should all strive for. But I guess most of us Come from families that are a little bit more like Margaret's and a little less like the Holy Families. And all this should do is prove to us that no matter what we have come from, our origin story, our family of origin, the things that have hurt us in the past, do not determine our future. Despite everything that we have encountered or been subject to, we, like Margaret, can become great saints in the church. Let me be very clear of what I am saying, though. I am not saying that abuse in the family is ever Jesus' plan for holiness for you. I'm not saying endure unsafe family environments. If you are, or anyone listening to this online, of any age is in an unsafe environment that you live in, please talk to someone and get the help you need, because that's not God's plan. Let me be very clear about that. But what I'm also saying is that if we have come from terrible beginnings we can overcome those and we can have great futures during this christmas season it's all about gift giving we're always giving and receiving and you know it starts like way, right after thanksgiving and it goes kind of into january but if you are one of the people that has trauma in the past overcoming adversity Maybe the gift that the Lord wants to give you this year is the gift of forgiveness, of being able to forgive those people who have wronged you. Whatever it is, depression, anxiety, addiction, alcoholism, anything that you have overcome or that you have been subject to, it might be that the Lord is taking this opportunity for you to pray for those people that have wronged you. It might also be that that's too much. You're just not there. Whatever happened, happened 40 years ago, and man, it still feels like it happened yesterday. And that's okay, too. For you, I want you to pray for the desire to forgive that person. You don't have to forgive them yet. You don't have to pray for them. You pray for you, for the desire to overcome and want to pray for forgiveness for them. Let me also say this. We can pray all day long until we're blue in the face and God has the power to heal us instantly. But he also has given us the science of mental health counseling that is very, very helpful. A good counselor mixed with a good prayer life can help us overcome a whole lot more than just trying to pray it away on our own. In the second reading today, Paul tells us that we have to Forgive others. He tells us that we have to forgive others, but then he puts this caveat on there. We forgive others because God has first forgiven us. And every time we say the Our Father, we pray, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. We remind God that we should only be forgiven to the extent that we are willing to offer forgiveness to others. In my own experience... Uh, During my time as a seminarian, there were two priests in particular that I felt wronged me, that mistreated me terribly, that uh, did not give me a fair shot, that just emotionally uh, abused me. It's, It's hard for me to pray for those people. This Mass will be offered for them, because me holding on to what they did, that only hurts me. It doesn't change them. But if I can pray for them, if I can offer this Mass for them, then maybe what is broken in them will be healed. And I know that offering this Mass will also heal what's broken in me. So if you come from a wonderful family, praise God. That's amazing. You offer this Mass in thanksgiving that the Lord has placed you with wonderful parents, with wonderful siblings, with wonderful origins. But if not, on this Feast of the Holy Family, pray for the ability to want to forgive those people that may have wronged you. Because during this Christmas season, the best thing we can do on this, the Feast of the Holy Family, is pray for forgiveness, unity, and peace in all families.